and welcome to Interfaith Talk Radio, being brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, and streaming at interfaithtalkradio.com. You have found us here on air at a deepening dialogue on the expansion of interfaith understanding and an exploration of our shared spiritual quest. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon from Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman from Interfaith Community Church. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie from University Congregational United Church of Christ in Seattle. And our show is an interactive show, but this week is somewhat different because we are interacting with a live studio audience. Um, although the studio audience is not in a studio, we are on Orcas Island at a retreat center called Indralaya. And I'd like uh, to let you know that we really have a studio audience here. Okay, we'll try to keep them under control during the show. We are here talking about the tension between spirituality and the religious institution. And we are going to be continuing the dialogue with the three of us along with those who are gathered together. So welcome to our program. You can more information about Interfaith Faith Talk Radio, interfaithtalkradio.com. We are also streaming on the Internet in the event you know some people across the country who you think should be listening right now. Please call them quickly, and they can find us at interfaithtalkradio.com. So we're beginning by looking at what is spirituality, what helps us awaken spirituality, and what hinders it, and then we'll be moving to some of the essential insights from our various traditions. So we begin with, what is spirituality? Gentlemen? Well, you know, uh, every single tradition says that uh, God has created this world for a just cause, I'm quoting the Quran, and for a determined time. And the main purpose of a human being is to really transform himself or herself, and then, as the Quran says, walk on spacious paths, that is, be of service in this world, as Islamic Spiritual teachers say, be a lamp, a lifeboat, or a ladder. This work about gathering these scattered fragments of one's ego and going beyond that, ushering into one's higher self, and then being of service. That is spirituality. In addition, I would say that spirituality evokes for me the sense that the human spirit uh, endeavors to approach the divine spirit and that drawing near to God is the essence of, of spirituality, which has, as Jamal suggests, the consequence of service. But it's not easily defined because it's not as visible as the forms of religion, for example. Right. Because I think that spirituality refers to the way in which we are experiencing ourselves and our world. And that the more spiritual our perception, the more we experience things connected to each other, and the more we experience ourselves part of 
one life, part of one consciousness. And the less spiritual our awareness, the less spiritual our consciousness, the more fragmented we experience ourselves, the more separate, the more we feel like I don't belong here, I don't know what I'm doing here. So spirituality for me has to do with a basic orientation toward one's life. And Jamal, when you mentioned the scattered fragments, I was thinking of the Kabbalistic metaphor of the scattered sparks of divinity that have gone astray and are encased in husks, clipot, in this realm. And our task as human beings is to liberate those sparks. And, of course, each of us as a human being ourselves is a husk. And within each of us, just as within each material form, is that spark waiting to be liberated, waiting to be realized and waiting to be celebrated. So... What is it that helps you the most to perceive that kind of wholeness and that kind of connection? Something we've discussed at this retreat, and we had, we've had wonderful feedback from our uh, wonderful participants. If I may quote a verse from the Quran that says, Everywhere, Every so way you turn is the face of Allah. Therefore, we've talked about form, we've talked about essence, and you, both of you have emphasized this that both the form and essence are both the face of Allah. They're both sacred. It's a question of bringing the form closer and closer to divinity and bringing divinity closer and closer to being accessible to human beings. I gave the example this morning of a beautiful lotus flower, which is a symbol of spirituality. But if you look closely, all the great masters say, it has a stem which goes deep into the mud, and so, therefore, the insight is that it is the mud of daily existence that gives rise to this beautiful spiritual flower. It's all spiritual in one sense. I certainly agree with, with Jamal that, that spirituality is something that arises from community. We help each other with this thing. We, we deal with it sometimes physically by ourselves. We have our own devotional life and so forth, but it has to come... I think, out of some kind of community for us to understand what it's all about. And without that community, it's very, very, very difficult. So community is part of it, and we've got a community right here with us. So I'm just wondering if people in the community would like to comment on your experience of what helps you open up spiritually or what you feel hinders that kind of expression. And you just let me know talk. Otherwise, we will keep talking amongst ourselves. <clears throat> Thank you, studio audience. And uh, just for the benefit of our listening audience, the the, uh, the studio guest was snoozing and apparently missed that prior conversation. Um, so, well, the question, what helps you in your spirituality? Yeah. Uh-huh. So they're going to be thinking about that. Yes, yes. yes. You know, uh, because yes. one of the things that we've been confronting here at the retreat is that there, there is a tension where religious forms come into being that seem to make it harder for people to experience their spiritual nature yes. and their spiritual being. So there's something that happens in the institutionalization that winds up 
eclipsing an ability to be more aware and to celebrate that being. So the community is very, very critical, like Brother Don was saying. Uh, but when we say community, that each one of us wants and actually needs, and I should say needs desperately, critically, not just a nice idea, but it's a critical necessity. But to have an authentic community, that's the point. Like the Buddha said, find friends who love the truth. In Islam they say, it's about finding that circle of love that counsels you, not with the tongue of words, but the tongue of deeds. So we have someone in the studio audience here who would like to respond to the question of what helps or what hinders. This is Jan. Thank you, Ted. Um, I believe that what helps me the most is um, being in an interfaith group, knowing that there are several ways to um, manifest what I'm needing and to pray. And it's not a single religion. It's, a, it's all religious. And um, I don't have to point to any one thing. I pray to the all. Mm. And it gives me great comfort to know that that is a, uh, a plan for me that works. And it, and it really helps me spiritually to know that it's all for one and a very interfaith center. I appreciate that. It's, pretty, it's a good thing since we are at an interfaith retreat with an interfaith group. And it gives us the opportunity to, to honor the truths of each path that lead to a universal that's greater than any specific path. One might imagine that universal life or that universal universal awareness or that universal consciousness literally embracing not only all beings but all paths and all languages and all relationships. Before Brother Don comes on, I'd like just to recite that one definition by this Islamic mystic who says, in the name of him who has no name, but who appears by whatever name you call her. Thanks, Jamal. I was thinking that uh, in my experience, uh, sometimes people will say uh, service of worship is too formal. And I think that instead of complaining about shape, the complaint is really that the the, the shape, whatever it is, is not conveying the substance of, of, of worship. And because uh, we've, one of the conversations we've been having here at this retreat is the, how, how do we provide a conveyance for the substance that continues to work, that doesn't dry out, that doesn't become rote, uh, that doesn't lose its ability to convey uh, the substance of uh, religious faith, whether it's Islam or Christianity or Judaism. Right. Sometimes the forms that were developed in order to support people in a spiritual quest then become formalized in a way that lose their ability to do so, and the attention gets focused more on the form than on that which it was meant to serve. We are um, about to take a break, and... We invite you to listen to our sponsors because they're allowing us to be on the air. When we come back, we're going to be looking at insights from each of our traditions which express the essence of our faith, um, expressing even bigger than the institution. So stay tuned. We'll be back soon. Mm -hmm. 
It's called Bet Olive Meditative Synagogue, and it's a spiritual community led by Rabbi Ted Falcon. I've been a seeker all my life, but I never expected to find meditation and spirituality in a Jewish context. Learn more about Rabbi Ted and Bet Olive at JewishSpiritualCommunity.com. That's JewishSpiritualCommunity.com. Do you suffer from stress, headaches, back pain, digestive pain, or other chronic problems? Allow Sue Woodward to help you realize the vitality and wholeness your body naturally wants to express using gentle, restorative methods. Sue invites you to call her at the Acupuncture and Healing Arts Clinic for a free consultation. 425-451-8129. That's 425-451-8129. The United Church of Christ wants you to know about the God is Still Speaking campaign, a national effort to let everyone know that this denomination welcomes everyone, no matter what, to the worship of God and the service of the church. We believe that God has much, much more to tell us about the good news of the gospel of Jesus and about what love can do to help us with this beautiful but troubled world. To find out more, log on to www.ucc.org slash index PHP. We wish you blessings for your life. The University Congregational United Church of Christ, located at 4515 16th Avenue Northeast, right across from the Burke Museum, wants you to know that it is a liberal and inclusive congregation waiting to welcome you to worship, education, fellowship, and service. We need your help to say yes to God's purposes. For more information, log on to universityucc.org. That's universityucc.org. Or call 206-524-2322. That's 206-524-2322. Commonly known as NICO, Northwest Interfaith Community Outreach traces its history to the first anniversary of 9-11. Committed to promoting interfaith dialogue and understanding, its purpose is captured in its mission statement, celebrating spirit through interfaith collaboration and compassionate works of justice in the world. For information on how to get involved, go to interfaithtalkradio.com and click on NICO. Unity of Bellevue is an inclusive community for spiritual growth, where all are valued, where positive attitudes are developed, where spiritual laws of life are taught, where consciousness is cultivated, where self-awareness is enhanced, and where the bonds of fellowship are enriched. Join us for our Sunday celebrations on Bellevue's East Side. Visit our website at www.unityofbellevue.org. Eleven fifty KKNW dot com. Your connection to alternative talk. Eleven fifty AM. And you're back with Interface Talk Radio on Alternative Talk. Eleven fifty AM. Broadcasting this afternoon from Indrawaya Retreat Center in Orcas Island, Washington, and as we mentioned in the first segment, are with a live studio audience sitting out here under beautiful fruit, um, enjoying both the spiritual and the natural energies of this place. It's just a great place to be talking about awakening to deeper dimensions of spirituality. The bunnies and the deer, our spiritual friends. Absolutely. 
So we were talking about, okay, the essential aspects of our religion sometimes get covered over by the formal aspects of our religion. And it's very much like how it is for us as human beings. Because we human beings are both form and essence. And sometimes we so get confused by the form of our being that we forget there's an essential spiritual being for which this form serves as a vehicle. And the task is to not be fooled by the form and to allow that form to serve the essential teaching or the essential nature of its being. You know, I love very much that uh, metaphor or the example of the Buddha. You know, when they say the Buddha is pointing to the moon as a, as a direction towards enlightenment, and we get so lost on the finger pointing to the moon, rather than focus on the moon, we become attached to the finger, and that becomes the form. It's great. It's like the major teachers of traditions. When people ask them what they do, and the, they might talk about what their practice is, the followers have a tendency to want to become that person rather than allow that person to direct them towards something which is bigger than. So if you look at the, if you look at your tradition, like Don, what would you say is one of the essential natures, one of the essential teachings of your Christian tradition that emerges beyond any specific form. You know, I think, and this is my opinion, of course, but I think that, for me, one thing Christianity has to contribute to the common good is the notion of nonviolent resistance. And I don't mean nonviolence, and I don't mean pacifism. I mean nonviolent resistance, which has an energy and an active nature. And the, the piece of scripture which suggests this for me is often misunderstood. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, if someone strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. And I think we've often thought that means just simply uh, being willing to take further abuse. But instead, and we've discovered this only in, you know, in recent years, the custom in the time of Jesus was to use the right hand to greet someone, to eat, or to, uh, to insult somebody by striking that person. Um, and, and that would be done with the back of the hand. Uh, the left hand would not be used for any of these purposes. And so if you, if you got insulted by somebody using the right hand and using the back of that hand, if you turn the other cheek, that person would have to strike you with the palm of the right hand, which would, which would be shameful because it would mean we're on equal footing. And so it's a way to resist the violence of the first act. Now that that's only that's an it's an amazing thing. It does reflect what I think comes out in Jesus' teachings otherwise, where we we get a sense of the preciousness and dignity of every human life and so forth. Um, and so that the idea that nonviolent resistance might be a useful tool in problem solving is something that we have yet really, I think, to make use of. Gandhi heard that. Martin Luther King has heard it. I think the Christian Church as a whole has yet to hear it. But it is something that can be can be uh, contributed. Yeah, I appreciate that. And in Islam, of course, uh, well, I say of course because I'm a Muslim. But given the recent history and the stereotyping, it might be surprising to many. But 
truly the, the basic thrust of the teachings of Islam is really about compassion. Uh, every single chapter of the Quran except for one, the 114 chapters, starts with Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of her creator, boundlessly compassionate, boundlessly merciful. The Quran suggests again and again the purpose of creation was for compassion and to exercise compassion. Therefore, the Quran is saying again and again that the greatest authentic power of a human being is in cultivating compassion for others, but mostly for oneself. And the example they give is water. That there's nothing as soft and yielding as water is, but there's nothing as powerful as water is. So, the most compassionate person is the most powerful person. And one more point the Quran suggests, besides having such authentic power, compassion, like water, has life-bestowing qualities. Wherever water falls, life flourishes. Wherever, wherever there's compassion, not only is it authentic strength, it is life-bestowing. That's one of the major teachings of the Quran. Mm. Great. I was thinking in terms of my tradition, in terms of the Jewish tradition, the essential teaching is oneness. And it gets confusing. Like when I was growing up and somebody said, what was the most important thing about Judaism? And it was God is one. I was looking around. Nobody's saying God is more. You know, everybody's believing in one God. What's the big deal about one God? And the older I get and the more involved I get in a spiritual path, the more I appreciate the significance of oneness. Because not one God out there as comprised as, as compared to other gods out there. It's not some big ego projection sitting out there. It's oneness in the sense of everything that is. So that the basic name of God in the Hebrew Bible, which is the four-letter name, which we don't pronounce because it's, it refers to a be being that's bigger than any name. It refers to absolute unlimited being, being unlimited by time, unlimited by space. And it, the tradition recognizes that that oneness embraces, supports, and expresses as all that is. And that being awakens within each individual being, within each one of us. That is our God. Essentially, from that awareness and from that realization flows a very clear ethic. Because since we are connected to all life and to all being. To support another is to support ourselves and to support all. To harm another is to harm ourselves and to harm all. You know, Ted, I was just thinking that I wish we had started with you because what Jamal and I have said really flows from what you've just been talking about. And then the question is, if you follow that thread, how have the forms of our traditions been able or not to convey what you've just been talking about and what I talked about and what Jamal right. talked about? Right. This is a... Yeah. This is a in fact, the essential issue that we've been confronting up here at the right. retreat and that we confront all the time. We create institutions in order to serve something greater, and then, lo and behold, the institution itself becomes the focus 
and we forget what we're here for. We think what we're here for is to grow the institution. So there are kind of yeah. there are patterns that kind of there are cycles that where we get better and then get worse again. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Therefore, it follows as an insight that if my relationship with my scripture comes in the way of my relationship with God's other children, then for sure it will come in the way of my relationship with me and my God. Well, that's looking at a deeper teaching that somehow and sometimes is very difficult for us to connect with because that that's following from a recognition of our relationship with each other. And that's following from an awareness that a true spirituality is going to be expressed through compassion and through love and through acts of loving kindness. As the Quran says, all of us, all of humanity, comes from one single soul. Another verse in the Quran says, you know, for the Muslims who say to the people of the book, that please listen, your God and my God is one. Is one. Yeah, and the same story comes in the Jewish tradition with the Midrash, the exposition of Torah that says, why did God create the world with one person? To indicate that we all have a common ancestor and to, you know, we're all brothers and sisters and to indicate that no person is any more important than any other person and to indicate that one who takes a single life, it's as if they destroyed an entire world. And, of course, in Christianity, when Jesus is asked the question, uh, how do I in- inherit eternal life, he begins with what Ted described, the, the God is one, and as the most important thing to remember. Of course, Jesus was a rabbi. So at heart, there is a commonality of teaching that emerges from our tradition that sometimes is hidden because of the institutionalization, because of culture, because of history, and maybe especially because of... And that one verse we always talk about uh, is about that God created diversity so we might get to know one another. Absolutely. And as we get to know each other, we are taking a break, and uh, we will be back talking about can spirituality exist without form? In other words, if form is difficult, what would happen if we'd let go of it altogether? You're listening to Interfaith Talk Radio. We'll be back in a moment. You're invited to attend American Pacific University's Clinical Hypnotherapy Seminar August 25th through the 27th in Seattle for 40% off. Hypnosis is a scientifically verified and effective technique to help us change our lives. You'll learn how to guide yourself and others to lose weight, quit smoking, and be free of physical pain. Fascinating discussions, informative demonstrations, and interactive exercises will let you use hypnosis after only one weekend. Call 1-800-63-HYPNO or go to ampac.edu to learn more. Occasional indigestion got you down? After meals, do you feel bloated, heavy, tummy hurt? Does occasional heartburn and indigestion or a just plain tired feeling take the energy out of your day? Vital digestive enzymes are needed to properly digest food and E12 provides them all. Customers often report a dramatic life improvement. Visit digesteasy.com. That's digesteasy.com. And discover E12 Food Enzymes, the digestive secret thousands have benefited from. 
Bonjour, my name is Veronique Raskin. I founded the Organic Wine Company 25 years ago. If you love wine and have not tried our French wines, you are in for a treat. Nowadays, people everywhere are buying organic fruits and vegetables because they know they taste better. Organic grapes are so luscious. When turned into wine, you can really taste the difference with every sip. So our wines are delicious and eco-friendly. So I want to make it easy for you to try them out. Call me right away at 1-888-ECO-WINE and I will send you three of my favorite organically grown French wines at half off the regular price. That's just $25 per shipping. Isn't that magnifique? I think so. If you don't share my enthusiasm, I'll gladly refund your money. So take me up on my offer and call me at 1-888-ECO-WINE. E-C-O-W-I-N-E. Au revoir. Want to get out of the rat race and stay out? Let Mary Hendrickson, cash flow specialist from First Horizon Home Loans, show you how. Mary takes 27 years of successful banking and brokering and turns them into stepping stones that pave the way to your financial independence. All loans close for Dr. Pat Show listeners receive a $300 reduction in closing costs. Call Mary today at 425-576-2249 and begin your path to financial freedom. That's 425-576-2249. Are you ready to kick your life up a notch? Tired of just surviving? The award-winning Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By, is your way to living the life you want without regrets, without limitations. This empowering, inspirational show with dynamic host Dr. Pat Basile will leave you shouting, yes, I can. Dr. Pat is a master career and belief coach, dynamic seminar leader, and creator of Crust Busting. Listen to the Dr. Pat Show on AM 1150 KKNW, Monday through Friday, 11 to noon, and worldwide on www.thedrpatshow.com. Remember, you're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And here we are. This is Interfaith Talk Radio on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, streaming at interfaithtalkradio.com where you can also find further information about each of us, Jamal Rahman, Don McKenzie, and I'm Alkin. And uh, you can find our shows archived as well. We are part of Dr. Pat Worldwide, honoring her intentions for creating radio programs supporting inclusivity, choice, intentional living, creating spaces where people can feel safe to agree or not, and where we can learn in a, an environment based on compassion. And we are moving into talking about can spirituality exist without form, since some of the forms that spirituality has been encased in wind up strangling the very spiritual awareness that they were designed to enhance. And we have some of the people who are joining us who are interested in participating in the conversation. So this is Cindy. Thanks, Ted. I just wanted to make a comment about your question whether spirituality can exist without form because I've recently had an experience with that directly. Um, Last fall I was um, practicing spirituality outside of any tradition. And I attended a, a retreat where the, one of the leaders made the suggestion that the value of ritual was that it helps the soul recognize 
the moment in which we're moving to another state of um, consciousness in terms of worship and, and contemplative uh, meditation. And then the other thing that was said was that uh, the value of community and the importance of community in your spiritual practice is that it's important to find a group of people where you don't have to apologize for loving God or seeking a spiritual life. And, um, and just to speak one step further about forms and becoming too attached to it, as I paid more attention uh, to ritual in my devotion, I find that when I have to cut it short because I'm busy or whatever, that I'll, I'll lapse into a bit of guilt making, putting too much attachment on the ritual itself, you know, instead of saying in the context of my day, maybe we'll have to kind of do an abbreviated portion of it. Right. Thank you. And you mentioned before that you had received that teaching from Reb Zalman Shakti Shalomi. That's correct. I don't, where were you? I was in Boulder at Chautauqua. Ah, great. And, and it was uh, co-taught by Atumo King. Oh, great. Some of the great teachers of our time. And we have uh, another comment from uh, Barry. Uh, thank you, Ted. Yes, I was just going to comment um, and actually ask you if you could comment on um, the trend that seems to be taking place in North America uh, of fusion, basically, um, where different, uh, because of globalization and our access and information about what's going on in the world, we've created fusion cuisine that combines Japanese and Italian together. And <laughs> is there any hope or a possibility that religions of the world would evolve into something like that? I'd like to say this is something which is very close to my heart because uh, we have this community called Interfaith Community Church where our uh, main focus is to foster a living, breathing, organic interfaith community. So the question comes up, what is the definition of interfaith? And it varies a great deal. For me personally, I, I think it's the same for my two brothers here, Ted and Don. Uh, for me personally, it's about always being rooted in my Islamic tradition, but watering those roots, this is where fusion comes in, by being open to the beauty and wisdom of other traditions. As I am open to that more and more and water my Islamic roots, I am becoming a better Muslim a more complete Muslim. That's one group of people. But there's another group of people we are finding out that is saying that I don't want to attach myself to any religion, any form of religion. I want to borrow practices from this faith or that faith and that faith and create my own hybrid, which is wonderful. And it is very possible if there is discipline involved and, uh, as a previous person said, if there's a community that supports that. But you see, that is also creating a form, a different form, as it were. But that is possible. But I think this idea of being open to the beauty and wisdom of other traditions is a trend of the present and the future to which we should be really open to. Right, Jamal, I certainly agree with that. And I th we've had this conversation. This is one of the things we talk about very often. Um, what, what, are, Where are we headed? What's down the road? What, what, where does this road lead? Um, is it uh, leading to a kind of bringing together of all these monotheistic faiths, for example? Is that our job? And in some ways, I think we've concluded that our job is to be a faithful Muslim, a faithful Christian, a faithful Jew, and to hear what it means to be uh, a faith. For me, it means to hear what it means for Ted to be a faithful Jew and what it means for Jamal to be a faithful Muslim. And there has to be some kind of cooperative consequence 
from activity like that that would seem more fruitful than simply setting out to combine ourselves. I mean, we mentioned a minute ago that um, there's a thread that runs from what Ted talked about in terms of oneness through the nonviolent resistance, which reflects the value of human life suggested by the oneness and then moves directly into compassion, which is one of the ways that that gets played out. On the other hand, there are other things that are, that there are differences that we have to name and acknowledge and understand. And it's not as if, oh, well, we're all related to Abraham, so it's all okay. Uh, we all actually are related, but we have different takes on that. And that, that requires not only an open heart, but a kind of critical thinking that we're trying to develop with that open heart that will help each of us know the other better and be able to cooperate better. Right. I suspect, since, <clears throat> since my experience is so much like Jamal's, <clears throat> excuse me, that the more I'm involved in the interfaith dialogue, particularly the interfaith spiritual dialogue, the more deeply committed I find myself to the richness of the Jewish spiritual path. And some of the people who are attracted to the teachings we do are themselves not rooted in a particular path. And I think for them, the possibility of a kind of fusion of different teachings can create a context in which an identity can be forged which we have not really seen yet. I don't think it's something that will pull people from uh, rooting, you know, when they experience it, nor is it meant to, but to provide support and community to those who don't yet have it. As um, you always say, it's, it's not about conversion. It's about completion. It's about becoming a more complete human being. And I think it's hard to know what what the Internet and global television will offer us in terms of being able to actually communicate effectively uh, about these topics with other people. And this is Sally Jo. Hi, I have a question for all of you. We, you were talking earlier about what hinders us sometimes on the path, and we're talking about form. And it seems to me that what is hindering many of us in the world today is the tension created by different religious groups thinking that they are the way, they are the chosen people, they are the only pathway to God. And you all are talking about that not being true among the three of you, but what about the rest of the world? I think a lot of us get turned off to religion in general because there's so much infighting and struggling over it that we want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Right. That's a very good question. It's difficult. We get into the whole issue of a fundamentalistic approach, which occurs in every tradition. Um, from the Jewish standpoint, we call the those people. Um, but if you look at the text, of the context of that chosenness, the blessing, for example, over Torah, Asher Bachar Banu Mikol HaAmin, we bless the one who chose us from among all peoples, Venatan Lanu Et Torato, to give us the path called Torah. I believe the Jews are chosen for the path of Torah. I believe other people are authentically chosen for their unique path. So it's not a question of is one of us chosen and another not. It's for what are you chosen? Just as each individual, for what are you called? What is your path? What is your unique way in the world? Go ahead. 
you know, I think it's, that's a very good question, Sally Joe. I think the, uh, the basic question is how do we deal with people we call extremists, who we think are so different and closed off? First of all, I think it's very critical not to demonize anybody. We have to use really the appropriate language. We can criticize the behavior, but not their being. Uh, this is most important that we uh, keep that in mind. Uh, there's always a space for connecting with the humanity of the other. Uh, this is critical, number one. Number two is we have to get to know the other person on a very human, heart-to-heart level, without any agenda. That is the key. Extremist, fundamentalist, violent, there is humanity in the other. We have to make an attempt to connect with the humanity of the other through a personal heart-to-heart connection. That is the only way in my experience. And just to quickly add to what Jamal said, I, I would say that for me, in addition to that, uh, a confession of faith is by nature, by definition, non-coercive. In other words, I can't tell you what I believe from my heart and make that public and at the same time insist that you believe the same thing I do, even though that's what the Christian church has tried to do. But I think that's an example of where critical thinking could be useful to us. Great. And we are concluding the third segment of our show. We'll be back to talk about how do we know when we've forgotten? How can our communities serve us to help us remember the spiritual way when we go unconscious? And this is Interfaith Talk Radio, and we'll be right back. The Miracle Minute with Mary Men and Morrissey is an inspirational one-minute phone call sent daily to a phone of your choice. It's only $9.95 a month, and when you mention the Dr. Pat Show, you'll receive a month free with your subscription. Contact Karen at 503-922-3460. That's 503-922-3460. Or Karen at LifeSolutions.com. That's Karen at LifeSolutions.com to start receiving your Daily Miracle Minute. Occasional indigestion got you down? After meals, do you feel bloated, heavy, tummy hurt? Does occasional heartburn and indigestion or a just plain tired feeling take the energy out of your day? Vital digestive enzymes are needed to properly digest food and E12 provides them all. Customers often report a dramatic life improvement. Call 1-866-NO-BLOAT. That's 1-866-NO-BLOAT. And discover E12 food enzymes, the digestive secret thousands have benefited from. Introducing a fantastic new breakthrough in oral detoxification from Natural Cellular Defense. It safely removes poisons and heavy metal toxins from the body that may be the cause of many chronic illnesses. It's safe enough for a baby. Presented by CopiousHealth.com. Come to a free seminar at Kirkland Holistic Center Tuesday, August 15th at 7 p.m. to learn more or visit CopiousHealth.com. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to discover what's preventing you or your business from obtaining your goals, dreams, and vision. The Inquiring Mind is your partner. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. as Stephanie Durham, professional life coach, presents ACES. Authenticity, choices, empowerment, and success. Spanning 25 years of successful business tenure, in addition to over four years of training with Caroline Mace at the CMED Institute, Stephanie's authenticity and vast knowledge helps you objectively explore wise choices with her finely attuned facilitator skills, leading you to personal empowerment and ultimate success. 
Do you know you have power to create what you want in your life and in business? You do. This message will self-absorb in five seconds. For more information, call us toll-free at 1-866-461-6463. Some people know a good thing when they hear it. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And we're back on Interfaith Talk Radio for the final segment of our show. We're on every Monday at 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock in the afternoon, streaming on interfaithtalkradio.com. And we're talking to you from uh, the beauty of Indralaya Retreat Center on Orcas Island, and we're talking about spirituality, the essence of spirituality, and the forms that religious institutions take that sometimes support that spirituality and sometimes inhibit it. And in this segment, we're talking about how, what do we personally do when we forget? How do we know we have forgotten? One of the things that most of us notice is that it's very difficult to know we're asleep until we wake up. And yet, when we're asleep to the fullness of our nature, when we're asleep to our interconnected with interconnectedness with all being, those are exactly the moments when we most awaken. I'd like to say that uh, in Islam, as you know, there is no original sin. Uh, the greatest sin is called ghafla, uh, is actually forgetfulness, is that you forget who you are. But in a sense, this is cosmically encoded in us. The saying is that, Jamal, uh, destined to forget that you might remember, destined to slumber that you might awaken, this is part of our life journey. And so it's by doing the inner work, it's by really connecting with an authentic community that we remind one another of who we really are. Like Rumi says, Jamal, you are a ruby in the midst of granite. How long will you continue to deceive us? For we can see the look in your eyes. So please, return to the root of the root of your real self. So this is our real work, to remember who we really are. I would say that um, in our church, in our tradition, um, the liturgy of worship is supposed to be designed to help us remember. Um, and, it, you know, we have a call to worship, we have a confession and forgiveness, so that's emptying and filling. We hear scripture, we try to interpret that, we proclaim it, we pray about it, we hear the prayers of the people and so forth. All this should be some kind of, uh, should offer some kind of balance, but still we do forget. And so, you know, there are these moments when, if we have been engaged in these practices that are so crucial, Sometimes it's the grace of God that helps us to come back. Uh, I was driving down the street not too long ago listening to uh, the radio, and B.B. King came on with, weren't for bad luck, I've had no, I'd have no luck at all. And I thought, <laughs> you know, the vast majority of the world's people don't have good luck. And what a great thing to remember that. That's what I need to know as a, as a Christian person of faith and so forth and as a religious leader. I mean, those are great moments, uh, but they require a kind of being tuned in that community can help with, that practices can help with, but we, we do still forget. Yeah, I think part of our nature 
is to forget. Just as part of the form that we, the forms that we create to allow ourselves to express, to express love, friendship, to express spirituality, all those forms rigidify. And that's part of how they function. So the question for me is, how do I know they've rigidified it? How do I know that it's not working like it used to work, so I have to approach it again uh, from a more conscious perspective? It seems to me what starts to happen is my world turns sour. Like a, a being who has, who I've perceived as lovely all of a sudden doesn't look so lovely or some... Uh, I, I often think the, the way my wife chews, um, just all of a sudden, like she always chewed that way, but all of a sudden I'm struck by it, and I say, you know, like, how come you chew that way? And I used to think that was, that was she was, but I know now that that is a reflection of something happening in my consciousness, and it's very painful, and it's even embarrassing, and it's... It, she doesn't much like it either, <laughs> but it but it's it's really saying that I've I've lost, I have gone unconscious, and those are signals that I'm receiving my feelings, my perceptions, my judgments on others and on myself are signals, and what my tradition gives me are ways I can ways I can help myself remember. And say, okay, what do I go back to? I go back to, I go back to the oneness. I go back to a melody. I go back to community. And I see, okay, how do we open our hearts together? It's about a question of building up awareness. It's a question of opening up our hearts. It's a question of choosing practices that really splash in your chest. So, for example, in Islam, it's about, as the Quran says, Jamal, in what ways can you be conscious of God? Can you remember God? Again and again and again and again. Another thing that I've, I've noticed is that grief can be a signal mm. uh, that things are not well. I mean, ever, that all is not well. Um, especially when it's grief that you can't identify. This. I mean, what, why am I grieving? What's wrong here? Something is wrong. The, the, there's been a tilt, and I can't figure out what it is. Then to me, if I'm able, maybe somebody needs to remind me, uh, that uh, because everything is not well, I need to be paying attention. I need to wake up. I need to uh, to be more aware. We watch each other, and we watch those we really care about go unconscious. How do we best support their awakening? Because to, to look at them and say, God, you're unconscious, is not going to really help them much. I think through compassionate listening, that's one way, uh, through genuine, compassionate listening right. and connecting heart to heart, then I think that expression will lead to a lot of healing mm. and awareness. Mm. I, I think that it, it's, not easy, it's not easy to hear someone else say, you're not paying attention. Mm. Um, but if, that pers- if we know that person loves us, for example, and, and so forth, and can listen and can actually hear us if we're complaining or whatever. Then there's an opportunity, as, as Jamal's suggesting here, that there can be communication. And I can say, "Oh yeah, I've, I've drifted" or whatever. So that yeah, yeah. What, what Jamal is indicating is the person who's awake says to the person who's not so awake, 
talk to me. Hmm. Tell me what your experience is. Don't change your experience. Don't try to judge your own experience. Tell me what it requires a great deal of strength. Because if I'm talking to somebody who is expressing their unconsciousness by judging me negatively, I've got to be willing to sit there and know that what that is. Like, that can be true when that person is stuck in that space, but I don't have to defend against it. I don't have to take responsibility for it. I don't have, you know, that's, I understand that when I am caught in that state, I see things negatively. And uh, one of the, as you said, Jamal, one of the ways to allow it release, to allow it expression. And also to become aware, every tradition says this, Jamal, can you embrace not only your 10,000 joys of life, mm. but also your 10,000 sorrows of life? Yeah. That's what gives us authentic equanimity, joy, centeredness, completeness as a human being. There's, uh, in the Gospel of Thomas, which is one of the Gnostic Gospels, there's a parable of the empty jar. A woman has a jar of grain on her head. She goes home, it's leaking. She doesn't know it. She puts it down, it's empty. That's the end of the parable. What's that mean? She wasn't paying attention. We do that all the time. I think it's beautiful. It's almost a haiku. It's an amazing piece of uh, theological literature. We're talking about spirituality, how spiritual traditions support and how the form of tradition winds up inhibiting spirituality and understanding on a deeper level function of form and essence. That they struggle to be in balance and that sometimes the energy is too big for the form and sometimes the form is too big for the energy and the, the, the challenge is to be aware of how the balance is and to maintain ourselves as we go through our daily lives. Well, and, and it's very important to realize that all of us are so deeply interconnected on every single level. A, a, a verse which I love very much, thou canst not pluck a petal without the troubling of a star. On every single level, we are interconnected. So there's no such thing as being separated. Somebody talked about extremists. If I may quote again once more what Alexander Solzhenitsyn said for our times today, that if only it was so simple that there's some evil people out there insidiously committing evil deeds, and all we had to do was to separate them, isolate them, and destroy them. But alas, the line dividing good and evil runs through every single human heart and who is willing to tear a piece of his or her own heart that's the basic question mm. thank you jamal that's really I, I so much appreciate that and obviously the, the folks here do too i i um i forgot what i was going to say <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what happens that's what on live radio, radio. Yeah, i ran out of words to say there was a <laughs> Uh, somewhat awkward silence that in Radio Land might have sounded like a half hour. Uh, Jamal jumped right in, never being at a loss for words. Um, this is one of the joys of being able to share this experience together and knowing that we are really acting out the support of each other and the deepening of our spiritual awakening. This is Interfaith Talk Radio. 
today talking to you from Orcas Island, Indralaya Retreat Center. Next week we'll be looking at spiritual approaches to death and dying. We'll be on at 5 o'clock next Monday afternoon. I'd just like to thank our engineer, Tom Tiedemann, who is sitting alone in the studio in Seattle and will be there too next week. Thanks for listening.